Welcome to this week's episode of Stand Out, how to grow your organizational and productivity practice, brought to you by NAPO, the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. With every episode, we're going to learn from subject matter experts who can help you build your business in areas like marketing, HR, and finance. We'll also introduce you to business owners who are out there just like you are, and we'll learn from their successes and challenges. Please welcome your host, professional organizer, Sarah Karakayan. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Stand Out, growing your organizing and productivity podcast. I'm Sarah Karakayan, professional organizer and your host. A lot of organizers or productivity specialists start out as generalists. Not all of us, but a lot. And most of us focus on the home. It just seems to be a natural place to start. It takes time, but then eventually we end up finding our sweet spot, our our niche, if you will. And while today's guest can very much do it all, her work has led her to some pretty big business clients, such as the Smithsonian Institution and the National Institute of Health. Heather Kokoza is the owner of Kokoza Organizing and Design, LLC, and has been organizing for 12 years. Kokoza Organizing and Design serves business and residential clients to enrich their work and personal lives through organizing and productivity improvements. She is a certified professional organizer and a certified project management professional. Heather has participated in the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals as the NAPO Washington, D.C. chapter president from 2017 until now, the NAPO WDC chapter director at large 2009-2010, and the NAPO WDC chapter secretary from 2007 to 2008. She was awarded the NAPO WDC chapter volunteer of the year 2011-2012, and I can totally see why. Heather designed and teaches NAPO National Course Project Management for Professional Organizers, and she presented at the 2017 NAPO National Conference, her program, Bridging to Corporate Organizing and Productivity. Heather graduated from the American University in Washington, D.C., and prior to entering the organizing industry, Kokosa worked at IBM PricewaterhouseCoopers as an ERP project manager on financial system integration projects for 13 years and managed teams of up to 40 people. In 2005, she left the life of a road warrior traveling full-time and became an entrepreneur with the launch of Kokoza Organizing and Design. Woo, Heather, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. It's glad to be here. Oh, my goodness. I mean, not only do you have a thriving career, but yes, you are indeed the volunteer of the year. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Yes. So although our listeners have a pretty good understanding of of your background through that intro. I always love to have our guests kind of say it in their own words. Tell us your story, where you started before you started your business and kind of how you got to where you are now. Great. Well, you d- we did mention in the intro that I worked for PricewaterhouseCoopers and IBM. So I'll tell you how I got into the business story. Um, I had been working there for 10 years. And in those first 10 years, I never traveled and I did not have children. And then I started traveling, and two months later, I adopted two babies. <laughs> so, wow. yeah, so I had a brief maternity leave, and then I went back on the road again for three years, traveling full time. Um, there might have been a little, there was a little time in there I wasn't traveling, but the majority of that was full time travel. And full time travel was leaving on a Sunday night and coming back on a Thursday night. 
So <laughs> during that time, people would say to me, you know, Heather, how do, how do you do that? How do you travel full time and you have two young children? And I said, well, I was always, you know, fairly organized. But then I read Julie Morgenstern's book, Organizing from the Inside Out, and I applied those principles to my life, and it worked. So when I was actually traveling and away from the home, my family could function fine without me. And when I was at work, I was productive. And so I thought, wow, this made such a positive impact in my life. I would really like to teach this to others. So I quit IBM and started um, my professional organizing business. <laughs> That's how <Wow>. it began. <laughs> oh my gosh. And had you ever had being an entrepreneur on the radar or was it really what you learned from Julie's book that that inspired you to just go out on your own? You know, I think I was exploring maybe some different options. And I remember when I was still working at IBM, I listened to Porter Knight's, um, her, I think, becoming a professional organizer, one of the classes that she does. And I thought, oh, that sounds uh -huh. just like me. I could do that. So I kind of put it on the back burner and then later bought the book. And then that, but really the book was the launching point. And I can tell you, um, I developed software for most of those 13 years and reading Julie Morgenstern's book, she has some very specific phases and believe it or not, the phases to organize any room in your house are the same phases you would do to build software. And so it was very, it clicked. It seemed very natural. It was very easy. And I said, wow, I, I love this. And I know I could teach other people. <laughs> wow. So then in the early days of your business, were you more of a speaker or coach or did you get kind of hands-on into the home where was your what did your business start well, out i read an article um from napo uh quite a few years ago and they ha talked about the cycle of a professional organizer and i i did follow that cycle so this is what they laid out and i, I can see it happening um when i left ibm I really wanted something different, and I loved homes. Um, I came from a family of building supply businesses. That's what my family owned and ran for many, many years. So, you know, I love having a, you know, an attractive and a functional home. So I said, okay, I'm going to focus on home, all the different areas of your home, did work in an office, you know, the home offices, um, and then yep. that kind of led into working with some people that had small businesses in their offices and then that led to some other connections so what happened is those within four years i ended i went through the whole cycle and at the end of the four years i was back working with corporations and supposedly that is the normal cycle for people that leave corporate america we'll still typically start with homes then we get into home offices then small businesses then we get back into a corporate environment so i, I went that was my four-year cycle Oh my gosh. It's just, I guess it's your natural progression because that's kind of what you knew for what you say, 13 yes. years. Yes. It yes. makes sense. And that's, and they had some articles in NAPO of people that did that same progression, the same steps and the same amount of time. So I thought that was fascinating. I didn't even, and I read the article after I had gone through the cycles. Right. So then what makes it different than working for, you know, let's say IBM versus now being a subcontractor or freelancer for IBM and helping them organize. What's the difference right. there? Well, one is, is marketing and, and it's a part of marketing that I call business development. It's really forming those partnerships and those strategic relationships with referral sources and other professional contacts in your target market. So that was something I didn't have to do in 
at IBM as much. I ran projects, I managed projects, but I wasn't really doing business development. And as an entrepreneur, I mean, that you're always work, selling your business, you're always um, looking for the next opportunity, the next project, the next job. And so I would say that was different for me. Um, it, it, I didn't have to do as much of that at IBM. But I think all entrepreneurs right. need that skill. Right. Do you enjoy the business development or the marketing aspect of being an entrepreneur? I do. I do. I, I think that's important. And I think that's been helpful for me and the longevity of my career. You know, being able to get those mm -hmm. larger projects, it gives you mm -hmm. um, kind of reliable, steady work. You know, when you work with a corporation, you get larger contracts. I mean, they may just be for a one day event, but oftentimes they're six weeks you know, three months, nine months. And I, you know, I like that. And so through that, you, those long-term projects, you can develop these relationships and nurture these relationships. Right. Um, and, and I do think we still work in a trust business. Um, maybe not to get that first project, mm -hmm. but to get that second project, to get follow-on work, to get those referrals, people really do have to trust you. So I like that part of the business, you know, developing those relationships. Right. And then, so I want to go back to those big projects, but bef before we get there, um, I want to circle around to your involvement with NAPO, only because you're so involved with NAPO. When did you find out NAPO was a resource for you? Did you know before you got into this business because of the book you read and, and your inspiration, or did, did you find it later on? You know, I, I don't know how I initially found NAPO, but the first thing I did was take that class by Porter Knight. <laughs> so uh -huh. that was step one. And then I was hooked. And I actually joined my local chapter within the first year of organizing. And the, the Washington, D.C. chapter is wonderful. Um, there's a lot of seasoned and strong organizers there. And they kind of took me in and said, hey, we have lots of ways for you to volunteer. And would you like to do this? And, and I just jumped right in. So year one, I volunteered and helped with one of their conferences, working with all the vendors. And that was a great opportunity to get to know all the different companies that organizers use. And then after that, the next year, I ran for the board and got on the board. And so I, I, I guess I recommend that for anyone. I mean, a lot of secret to success is having credibility and professionalism. And I think by volunteering, it gives you a safe place to build your skills and to make mistakes and to gain that knowledge um, that you need when you're working with clients. Right. Um, so I, I think that was, so I think I started right away, full force in NAPO. I, I love that. And, and, and you can see the progression of, you know, what, what was your first, uh, were you secretary at first? Is that your first? Yes. Yeah, so a secretary, right. Right. And then director right. at large and then president. So what's your next step? Will you, I guess you have immediate yeah. past president, right? And then. I, that's true. I mean, I'm actually very interested in doing, you know, NAPO national, something at that level. Yeah. So, you know, that's one of my 2018 goals is to begin to explore that. So I'm, I'm definitely remaining active in NAPO. Yes. Right. So you believe the benefits have totally been worth the time commitment that it takes from, you know, the, the direct running of your business, those client facing, getting those contracts and getting the work. You believe mm -hmm. your volunteerism with, with NAPO has, has been just as much of a benefit as anything else. 
Yes, it has, and my clients see it. I mean, they feel proud when they see my name in the paper or they see me mentioned in something. So they're right. like proud, you know, and then that even gives them more leverage to refer me to others. So they have, not only do they feel happy with the work I've done, but look, I'm being quoted in this magazine or here. And right. it just kind of adds to the, your whole credibility. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Now, I think it's wonderful. I mean, obviously, I'm a big fan of NAPO as well, but I just... Yes. You know, I know that not every organizer or productivity uh, specialist is is involved, and that's because they don't know if it's worth the investment. But I think mm-hmm. having guests just like you, who are, I mean, obviously, you keep coming back to another volunteer position. That it's it's very much worth it. Yeah, it's, yes, it's rewarding. Yes, <laughs> very rewarding. Time. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. And then let's talk about this certified project management professional niche you have. Mm-hmm. So especially because I've actually, some colleagues of mine have talked about that. You're like, you know, I I really love helping my clients manage projects they've got going on, whether it's within their family, family owned business, or or even with you, these bigger clients. Um, How can being certified in project management help someone's business? Well, it's actually a very well-known credential across industries. So I would say that's a plus. So whether you are in the software industry, the building industry, you work with engineers, it's, it's well known. So that mm-hmm. in itself is a plus. You don't have to sell it. It's, it's a very um, hard to get credential because of the test that you have to take and the amount of hours that you have to take. So I certainly re- recommend it if you can to obtain it. But even if you don't get your, your you know, certification, just learning project management and providing project management skills to clients are huge. Um, I would say a lot of us organizers are sequential logical thinkers. Mm -hmm. We know that you do this and then next you do this and then next you do this. But not all of our clients think that way. They're very creative and they're wonderful, but they sometimes need our support. Um, I like to say that, you know, there are a lot of busy and smart people out there running the world but they need us, the professional organizers and productivity consultants, to bring out the best in themselves. And, and certainly project management is one way we can do that, to help them achieve their projects and the things that they want to get done. Of course. Did you achieve this certification while you were in the corporate world or, or when you started your business? I did. I got it in the corporate world. And then NAPA was looking for organizers that had the experience to create a course for them. So that's why I worked um, with the, you know, NAPO's continuing education team to, to develop that uh, project management for professional organizers. Would that be a good first step if someone isn't sure if they want to go after that certification? Maybe start with your class and then see how they feel about it and then go maybe pursue the certification yes. or... Yes, I would say that's a great starting point is to take the class. Um, and the, what I, you'll learn in the class that I have for NAPO is pr- the project management will be the same. Whether you're doing project management for a professional organizing project, mm-hmm. you, those steps that you learn, those phases that you learn are the same if you were doing software or if you were building a house. Right. Um, so it's a great starting pl- place if you think that that may be an area that you want to explore. Yeah. I think it could add to, like you said, any, no matter what your niche is, Mm -hmm. it's going to help you uh, have a great system that's obviously tried and true, help you get from point A to Z. Right. Mm -hmm. So talk about that. So you said it's it's pretty extensive and involved. How long does it take the average person to to achieve that certification? 
Um, it, it takes a while only because they do want you to have experience. Um, so getting the certified project management professional credential is much longer. So I would probably even tell organizers, if you want to get certification, start with becoming the CPO, become ah. a certified professional organizer. I would say get that first and then move on if you wanted to get your certified project management certification. Um, Great become advice. a CPO first, yes. Step and, one. and why do you say that? I mean, I think that is where everything is applicable that, that you're doing for clients. Mm -hmm. And I do think that, you know, it's something you can market. It goes back to your credibility and professionalism to say, yes, I am a certified professional organizer. Um, I mean, clients out in the business world, if you're going to, you know, be working with businesses, they appreciate credentials, they respect credentials. And so to be able to say, yes, I'm a certified professional organizer. And if they ask what it means, you can explain it's, you, you know, you had to pass a test, it's X amount of number of hours. Um, they respect that, you know, Absolutely. and it, it gives you that differentiation. Absolutely. Kind of sets you apart from those who may just be, uh, floating around in the career to those who have really decided to sink their yes. teeth in and, and like you said, show professionalism. Yes. Great. Mm -hmm. So I know that you are a big believer in professional organizers and productivity specialists on going bigger and thinking bigger and dreaming bigger. And then <laughs> you, you provide tangible examples on how we can do that. So can you talk us through that? Let's say, you know, someone's in the business for two to three years and what is that next step of, of thinking bigger and, and, and right. dreaming bigger? Right. So I know one of the goals of the podcast was to think about growing. Right. So that was kind of my focus here is, is to say, okay, let's, let's use this to, to grow, to go bigger, think bigger, dream bigger. So let's say you've been working in homes and you've, you want to go bigger. You want to take on the larger clients. Then definitely start by working in home offices. So mm -hmm. if you, you know, I'm not sure if you like paper, you know, not sure if you want to go there, I challenge you to take that step. Go into the home office and help them with the paper. Um, if you've already been doing that and you've already been working with small businesses, then I challenge you to step up and try to get a corporate client. Mm -hmm. um, now, let's say you've already been working with one individual at, in a corporation, then I would say, can you try to then work with an entire team? And, and then you keep stepping it up. So once you've worked with an entire team at a corporation, can you then work with it and tell them um, how great it would be and then propose an entire, working with an entire department? And then from there, if, if it's going well with one department, why didn't you explain how your services can help with multiple departments? And that's the way you grow. You know, you may not go from, you know, organizing a home right into working with multiple departments. Right. That's, that's a big leap, but you can definitely, it's achievable in these smaller steps. Um, so I would, you know, challenge each and everyone that wants to grow their business to consider growing into um, the business side and into the corporate um, market. So can you give, let's give our listeners, uh, almost uh, not acted out for us, but what does it sound like when we, let's say we have that one person who works at a, on a team, like with the, mm -hmm. they didn't hire us from the business. ABC business did not have this person hire the organizer. The person said, I need to be more organized, but he works, you know, that they work within a team mm -hmm. and that there's, you're tapping into a bigger opportunity. What does that look like for an organizer? What's our first step in 
Like, what do we say to that person? How do we pitch ourselves? What's effective? So starting with that person, um, whatever you have done well, it's worked with them. So perhaps you've been organizing their office or maybe you've been working with them with productivity. Right. Whatever you've done to see, see if you can leverage that, you know, at their corporate environment. And we are a referral-based business. So, I mean, it really is usually a direct conversation at the end of the, your successful project with, with this individual to say, hey, you know, if you've gained this much, if this is what you've learned with me, you know, what do you think about if I could work with the team at your company? Or you can say, can I work with your department? Is this, is this something that others in your department or others on your team could benefit from and then if he says yes you can ask to either be introduced to different individuals mm -hmm. or if you want to stretch it you could actually ask to be introduced to a department head who's ever mm -hmm. the head of the department and that is typically your best way in the door because departments have their own budgets so if you can get to know who's running the department that's the person that manages the bu budget and that's the person that makes decisions on whether they can start a new project bring you in if they have the funding so i would take your your client you have now and ask if you know if this benefited them could this type of thing help their other teammates or other department members and then ask for an introduction um, and then he will or she will hopefully introduce you to the other team members or that department head and then you know from there that that's your foot in the door right you know, that that's your that's your contact and then after you meet with them you can do a you know it's a, it's a soft pitch but you have a convert you meet with that person you want to first a lot of times find out what their challenges are and once you understand their challenges then you can propose some solutions right and then so, when you have that soft pitch and you get that meeting with the department head do you do another soft pitch and figure out there if the head is even interested and then maybe you put something more formal together? I, I think it's usually great to go in and have a conversation before you even have to put something informal together to talk so that you know where their pain points are. You know, right. you know what their challenges. Now, your individual may have all the knowledge, but the department head may have different pains than even the team members know about. Right. So usually it's a, it's a meeting with a, a loose agenda to kind of talk through what their current challenges are, either, either, either related to organizing, space planning, filing, or it could be related to productivity and the processes and you, maybe they're not feeling efficient in a certain area, or maybe, you know, there's a, there could be a management um, retreat coming up and they need someone to do a, something about time management, a presentation on time management or productivity. Mm. So you never know exactly what that, you know, the department head's thinking. So you give them the opportunity to tell you what's on their mind and then you can propose some solutions. So do a lot of listening, it sounds yes. like at the beginning. Yes. 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 And then for those of us who maybe, you know, have only ever experienced working with one member of a household or if we're lucky, both members, uh, heads of the household, and then we go into that next step of that one person into a department, is there a big difference there um, working with? I know you used to manage 40 people on a team, but for those who haven't, what piece of advice might you have for conquering any self-doubt or fear that might come up right away when you think of <laughs> right. that jump? Right. Well, I mean, that I think is a great point for NAPO. So if you haven't worked with teams or managed teams, a great way to start is to get involved with NAPO and be involved with the committee. So that's kind of step one is to be a member of a committee. The next step from there would actually be to 
run the committee and be the committee chair. And, and that's the type of thing. I mean, I can tell you that where I got my project management experience, the first time I got it was actually not working with a paid IBM client. It was through my volunteer work that I did at IBM, um, kind of on the side. And through my volunteer experience, that was my first opportunity I was ever given to do project management. And I, and, and I was able to have some lessons learned, worked out some kinks, and then I learned enough skills that I was then able to start using it with cli paid clients. Yeah. Um, so I would say, you know, if you don't have the experience of managing teams, leading teams, start start in your NAPO chapter or start with a national um, committee. There's also national level committees if you don't have a local chapter near you and volunteer to be a member and then work your way up to, to maybe chairing that committee. That, that, that will give you the confidence. If you can chair a committee, you can go in and lead a team on an organizing or a productivity project. <laughs> right. I love that. And you feel a little safer because you're volunteering. So it's not yes. putting the effort in. Everyone's going to kind of help rise you up because we're all volunteering to get it. Yes. And if you make a mistake, that's okay. We're all volunteers. We're just doing it the best that we can. <laughs> right, right. Right. I agree. So then, okay. So you mentioned it's great to have, you know, one-off projects with these bigger corporations, but there are opportunities to get larger contracts what does that look like? Is that a, a big project or is that just you're kind of always there to see what um, uh, reorganizing a team needs? Mm -hmm. What does a longer contract look like for you? Yeah. Well, I guess that's the the plus with working with corporate clients is that there's just more people. And, and, and also, I think that's what's different about it's individuals versus teams. Um, so within a corporation, you'll have multiple teams, you'll have multiple departments. And I think it really depends. I've had projects that are, it's a one day come and present at our, you know, our leadership. This is our leadership team for our whole organization. And it's, they're a day long leadership retreat and we need you to present for an hour. So it could be something that literally is in the end of the day, it's just an hour. You have to do the prep work. So it could be something that small or it could literally be something as long as large as um, we have 150 boxes of materials and records that needs to be reviewed and archived and you know organized which can take over a year so I think it really depends um, it, it depends on what the task is I'll, I'll tell your story though it can be as small as this um, it let's say you wanted to work for coca-cola I don't, and you've only done most, you don't do a lot of paper, but you do space planning mm -hmm. and you do a lot of space planning of, let's say living rooms, you know? And, and so you know how to set up someone's living room to make it very functional and have great conversation and great flow. Um, now Coca-Cola may not have you come in and do their receptionist area, their main lobby of their worldwide headquarters. However, Coca-Cola may have a department that's on one floor where you come up the elevator and there's a reception area. So, you know, your project could maybe be, you're just going to redo, reorganize the space planning for their reception area. So, you know, it, it could be that, but let's say that that project goes well and they love how you've redesigned the flow and it makes sense. Well, they tell three other departments. So then you may end up in that same building working across, you know, four other floors and that may be another nine month project. So I, th I think it really de depends um, on what what the work is, right. uh, and I would but and I would say don't don't say don't say no. You know, take it if it's big, take it if it's small. <laughs> wow. So. 
And so then those longer contracts where you like use, you, uh, you know, nine months or whatever, are you on a retainer or is there usually like a project, like you said, the big filing project that they asked me is going to take you nine months to right. complete? And I guess that would depend. Everyone does it differently. I know some people do retainers. I know some people will do, a, you know, fixed price for a project. Other yep. people do hours. Gotcha. So it, 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 there's no wrong or, or right way to do it. It depends on what you're comfortable with and what the client's comfortable with. Right. Um, so, I mean, I could talk about any of those options, but I don't want people to think that that has to be a certain way. Right. Corporations, they will negotiate, with, especially because you're so small, they'll negotiate with you uh, what works best with both of you. And that's great too, because I feel that you said that because as small business owners, we feel like we have to go away and play by maybe the big corporation's rules, but we have to remember that we are our own entity we have our own structure with our own business and to come to the table with all that. And then you can play around with the corporation and what's going to work best for both parties. Is that what you're saying? Right. And because you're so small, they usually can be more flexible too. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you are competing against another really large company for a project, then you might have very strict, strict rules about, okay, you have to submit a proposal and it has to look like this and you have to bid it this way. But what I have found is that most of the work, um, you don't have to bid against. They know you, they like you, they're just giving you work. And so it's it's more flexible in the way that you present your proposal and the way that you price it versus the difference would be if you really did have to compete against like five other companies. If that were the case, then there would be some, you'd, some strict ways about how it had to be presented. Um, but my experience so far has that I do almost never have to compete against other organizers for these projects. They're so specific and the client likes you so much that they usually will just give you the work. Right. It sounds like if you can get in, like you said, with one mm-hmm. small project, mm-hmm. it's almost like this built-in referral system because there's different departments that can say, hey, she did amazing work. I and mean, I know that she could turn our department around too. So it sounds like take that small job because you never know what it could lead to. Yes, correct. Yes. And, and that is how it works. They, they are their own culture. And you, most of these corporations have a, have a set culture and they also trust each other. So if you do well on one project, you get referred to other departments and other groups. Yes. That's great. Okay, Heather, we're going to take a quick break. We have a message from NAPO that we want to make sure we get out there. But when we come back, I've got some more questions on how um, Heather runs her business. So we'll be right mm-hmm. back. The National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals invites you to become a certified professional organizer. CPOs have proven industry proficiency by demonstrating they possess the body of knowledge and experience essential to professional organizing and productivity consulting. The CPO credential identifies professional organizers who've documented a specific number of paid hours that include transferring organizing skills to a client and have also passed the Board of Certification for Professional Organizers Examination. The credential provides the organizing and productivity industry a way to elevate its professional standards. Visit napo.net to learn more. All right. We are back with Heather Kakoza, the owner of Kakoza Organizing and Design LLC. And while she works with residential clients, she's also uh, pretty well-versed in what it, what it looks like and what it means to work for bigger corporations as well. So Heather, we talked about those steps that we can take as, as organizers from 
working in the home to working for the home office and maybe getting a person who works in a team to then working with that team and, and so on and so forth. So what does your business structure look like? Are, do you, are you by yourself? Do you have employees? Do you have subcontractors? What do you prefer? So at this time, um, I'm a solopreneur and I, what I do is I scale up and I scale down based on what the needs are. So I have had employees, I have had subcontractors and I have had interns (laughs) and they've all been actually positive experiences. Um, so I would hire more people if and when necessary, and I will have more subcontract relationships. Um, when necessary. So I I do kind of go out and I bid on a project. And then based on what we need for the project, I might hire someone part-time to work on that. Or I might contact one of my people that I use as subcontractors to see if they might be interested. So at at this point, I I go after the business. And then once I have the business, I will scale up and scale down. I will say my employees, I have not had a full-time employee. They've been part-time employees. Um, So you know, that we've had some flexibility and it's not that I've had to have, you know, full-time work for them. Right. Um, But I mean, some of the projects have been very big. I had a subcontractor that worked with me, you know, every week for a year and a half. Wow. So if we have a big project, I I feel like I have enough connections, you know, through NAPO. Um, I have a variety of people that I can, you know, call on and we have good relationships and they've said, Hey, Heather, you get one of those type of projects again, let me know. You know, I'll make myself available and I'd love to work with you again. Wow, that's wonderful. Another so, reason why having a connection with your NAPO chapter is helpful. You can yes. know other people who that you learn that you enjoy working with. Yes. And some of these projects, I mean, I couldn't do on my own. Right. They really were multi-people, you know, multi-person projects. And I've met the people in NAPO that had the skill set that was, wasn't exactly my skill set. You know, so I wasn't trying to find someone that was exactly like me. I was actually trying to find someone with some specialized skills and experiences. And, you know, through NAPO, I was able to make those connections. And together, we've been able to do some really great, big, rewarding projects. I love that. So, and I know this answer is different for for every guest we have on, but I know our listeners get so much value from just hearing your insight. You said that it depends on the project or, or the circumstance and whether you do subcontract or whether you hire an employee. Can you give us any um, tangible uh, bullet points as to what those differences are that would help you choose what you need to do for that project? I think it would be probably specialized skills. Okay. So if I am working on a project where we are looking for someone that has experience in archiving records, then that is that is something that you know, a specialized skill. So I will go out and look for that person. Um, I usually find that with subcontractors versus employees. Um, with employees, I would probably look for a more generalist mm-hmm. that could work on, if I were going to hire them, and this is what I've done for X amount of period of time, um, I would probably need more flexible skills so they could work on many different projects where if it's um, more of a specialized skill that we need, it's easier to bring on the sub to, to work on that project. And then when that project's done, then our relationship is done. So that, that's something to consider, you know, on your projects, are you looking for a specialized or are you looking more for generalists? And, and there certainly are other, you know, factors with employees versus subcontractors. Um, you know, employees, you can direct more of their work, subcontractors, um, not as much. So it's, a, it's certainly another consideration. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So 
you've obviously been at this for some time now and you have a lot of connections. So I don't know if this is the same for you anymore, but when you were getting started and you wanted those bigger uh, projects, what did you do networking wise or marketing wise to, like you said, go out and find that work to Mm -hmm. then get to that next step of the soft pitch and the formal pitch and all kinds of stuff. What did you do to find the work? Um, I still think that we get some of our best jobs from referrals mm-hmm. from from people that we know. So I, you know, I recommend that people think about who they know, who are in their contacts, who do they go to church with, who are on the, you know, at this, you know, at this pool, who do you know through the, who's are on your kids' swim teams, who are, do you know from your kids' soccer teams, however, whatever groups you run with, do you know people, um, do you have friendships with them? that maybe work at these larger corporations. If so, then you probably already have like a level of trust and friendship and you could have a frank conversation with them. Take them out to coffee and say, hey, you know, I'm ready to grow my business. I've been doing this for X amount of years. It's going well, but I think I'm ready to take the next step. I think I'm ready to grow. And I want to grow in the, in the business area, and I'd like to work with some larger clients. You know, do you have a need? You can talk to them and just say directly, do you think that your department w- could benefit from anything? This is what I do. It's the space planning. You know, you can tell them that, you know, I didn't do digital organizing. I can help them with their email. You know, whatever it is that skills that you have, you know, talk to this friend, acquaintance that you have, and ask them, hey, if you think that your company could benefit from any of this, could you introduce me? Yeah. So, so I, I still think that that, that relationship um, building is, is helpful for these bigger projects. What are some of your favorite marketing tactics? Hmm. Well, I mean, I do, you know, I do a lot of the same, I guess, marketing that others do. So it is your business cards, the, sh- the shirts with your logo. I have some promotional items. I mean, I do, I, you know, I do use social media. I, I will say LinkedIn is a little more focused on business. Right. So if that's, that's the clients that you want, um, you would want to spend some time there. So, I mean, I, I think I do everything that other organizers do. Sure. I think there is, you know, there is value in the media. So if you can get your name in media, it's great. Uh, but I think a lot of it is focused time on the relationships and not – not to just let it happen, but that you actually have to think about it and say, okay, who do I need to contact? Who have I not spoken to in a while? Um, who, you know, and, and people are still fine with getting coffee, having lunch. So I think it, but you do have to be intentional about it. Right. If you don't think about it, it won't just always happen. So you have to be thoughtful at least, you know, you know, every two weeks to sit down and really think about well, who, what are my relationships? Who do I need to, to contact? You know. This, this month or this week. Right. Start, start small. almost sounds like just start with your own circle of, they don't yes. even have to be past clients. They, they could just be friends who might friends. have a connection with your next client. Yes. Perfect. Yes. I love that. So what are your, your plans now then for your immediate future as a business owner who's been in this for a while? Is it just focusing on uh, more work? Do you have anything else in the works to, to grow or what does that look like for you? Well, Right now, I'm actually one of those businesses that I still enjoy my corporate and my residential clients. So I'm, I'm still doing both. And uh, right now, I, I'm enjoying both and able to grow both. Uh, as far as like just small goals, I know for my residential side of my business, I'm working on a infographic flyer. So I'm excited about that. I'm doing a little website refresh. Um, I've done a soft launch of my Instagram account, but I'm, I'm, I 
I will be shortly doing a full launch. And then I do want to get involved with NABO at a national level. So that's also in my, my 2018 Horizon goals. You've got enough on your plate. That sounds like a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, and that, and that inspired another question for me for you. Do you um, hire any sort of virtual assistant or anyone to help you with like the bookkeeping and the social media? Or do you kind of figure out systems that you can do it all on your own? I have I have hired people. I've had interns, so I I do get help, and I think it's up to each person. Um, my strength is not social media, so I have had a variety of interns help me with that. Um, if I didn't have interns, it could be a virtual assistant, but I've been able to find people local. There's a lot of local folks here. Sure. Um, I'm I'm comfortable with the accounting. So that's not something that I've outsourced. That's actually what I did at PricewaterhouseCoopers and IBM. Right, I, sure. um, I implemented an accounting system. So, so I'm fine with it. I enjoy it. Um, but certainly that is something that a lot of people do outsource and they might outsource pieces of it. So when I have employees, I do not do the payroll part. So I will outsource all of the payroll. So I do my regular accounting and my billing with my clients and invoicing but I don't do any of the payroll and the taxes. So, so, so even someone that likes accounting can else you can outsource a piece of it. Sure. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I do that. Um, and I, I guess as far as other people to, to lean on, I mean, I have, um, I have, I mean, I'll just put this out there for people, particularly if they're starting up. I mean, there are internships, um, some high school even have, um, summer programs or work programs or internship programs. So I've even had high school kids um, that were seniors come in and help me with my business, some of my social media <laughs> that they, you know, they enjoy it. So yeah. why not let that bring them in and have them help? Um, so, you know, even if you don't have a big, big budget, there are ways that you can actually even get free help. That's so, so, so something to consider. Yes. Yes. And, and do you do your, um, all of your side work, I guess, your the accounting, all that. Do you have a? Do you work from a home office, or do you have a brick and mortar space that you work out of? Yeah, right now I'm home office, so it it works for me. We use uh, Quicken Accounting, so you know it's it's a it's a strong software product. I'm ha happy with that. So yeah, so right now we're here. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we, I, I've been watching other organizers that have started. And branching out to some um, other locations. So I think that's um, intriguing and there's some pluses with that. Sure. Um, but right now I'm still in the home office. Sounds good. <laughs> okay, Heather. So at the end of every episode, I kind of ask my guests to provide our listeners with two sticky notes that they can put up in their own home office and help them just take what you've learned on your journey um, in your business and maybe something that they can implement into their business today or this week or something a little more immediate. So what are two big uh, impact next step items that you could share with our listeners? Well, let's see. I want to maybe give a comment and then I have two Please. things that you could stick on your wall. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention to folks is to let them know that subcontracting is not just for startups. So it's something to consider. So if you're thinking about getting into a new area of business or you want to learn a new skill or want to try out a different type of client, you might you know, seriously consider subcontracting. Even if you've been in the business eight years, seven years, um, I, you know, the, the clients that I've had and the clients that I have as a subcontractor, because I do still subcontract, um, are better than I could have ever imagined. So it has really been an interesting experience between my own clients and my subcontract um, clients that I get when working with other 
professional organizers ha have really been amazing. So I put that out there. For, so even people that have been in the business a while and are thinking about, well, I want to grow my business, but I don't know how to grow it in this area. Subcontracting is another way. Subcontracting doesn't just mean I will work for dirt. Subcontracting is a way to learn new skills right. and, to, you know, and to actually grow your business. So I wanted to mention that. Um, as far as like two like sticky notes that you could put on your wall, um, I do try to think big. I try to get others to think big. So I, I think if you go bigger, think bigger, dream bigger, then it will move your, you and your company in that direction. And I also am a strong believer in the NAPO classic, um, we are better together. Yes. And I think that's really true. Um, I love the other organizers and, and productivity consultants that I know through my chapter and that I've met through national context. So I really do think with NAPO, we're better together. I agree. And it's, it's, it's kind of like the whole rising tides, right? If, uh, mm -hmm. If you can, if you're rising at that time, bring someone with you. Maybe some cut chunks something out if uh, the project's right, or then then yes. that person might think of you when their tide is rising. So yes, yes, yes. excellent. I love that analogy. Very, very powerful, <laughs> Heather. So where could our listeners find out more about you and perhaps stay connected with you? Great. Well, I I do have a website, and you can find me there. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn and I just uh, done the soft launch of my Instagram account. So uh, be, be checking that out more. I, I'll be posting some things over the next month. That's great. And we'll make sure yeah. that we put all of Heather's information in the show notes so that our listeners can find you as easily as possible. Heather, thank you so much for your time. I think listeners, she's left us with a lot of um, inspiration and and big thinking like she said to, to think big and to dream big and and to do it together you know although you are a solopreneur you don't no one does this completely alone we have right. to rely on on subcontractors on employees mm -hmm. and on volunteering and all those great things so um what can you do this week or or, or this month to make that change in your business so that you too can grow. I'm Sarah Karakayan, and that wraps up this episode of Stand Out. Thank you for being here with me. And as always, I'm learning right along with you. If you like this podcast and if you're able to walk away with nuggets of inspiration or something valuable, please leave us a review. Let us know what that is and hit that subscribe button. We want to reach as many organizing and productivity professionals as possible. And please share, share, share away. If you have a, a colleague, an employee, a subcontractor, anyone, a friend who's interested in this industry, share this and every episode with them. I look forward to hanging out with you at our next episode. So I'll talk to you then. That's all for this episode of Stand Out, brought to you by the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. Be sure to visit napo.net to learn more about our educational offerings, our local chapters, and both certification and certificate opportunities. Don't miss an episode as we help you build the business you've always dreamed of owning.